the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And hour number two is underway at eight minutes past nine o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. It's the 21st morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Just four days until Christmas. We will have a um, special program for you on Friday on Christmas Eve. Just FYI, it's a day off for all of us uh, at Salem. And we will have Christmas in America for you, which we have traditionally done on Christmas morning, when Christmas morning falls during a workday. But since it is on Saturday, we're going to do that for you on uh, on uh, Friday. Uh, this, of course, is the wonderful, amazing production of our friends at uh, the American Policy Roundtable, Ohio Roundtable. Uh, it's uh, Rob Walgate and uh, Dave Zanotti and his team, or their team, rather. It's a wonderful, wonderful event every year. It's perfect. It's two hours long. It fits right into our show. We'll have that for you on Friday. But for today, we've got another perfect show for you because we bring Peter Kersenow onto it as we do each and every Tuesday. Peter Kersenow, member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is an attorney, an author, a columnist, and a host uh, of the uh, Kersenow Report here on AM 1420 The Answer. Merry Christmas, Pete. Merry Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. This is, um, you know, it's really kind of peculiar in Cleveland, though. We really haven't had much snow. It's a sunny day here again. Uh, but still, um, even for oldsters like like me, it's a great uh, great time of the year. Yeah, no question about it. I don't need snow to be in the Christmas spirit. I'm going to be in the Christmas spirit just because I'll be surrounded by family. Um, however, uh, I'm going to be surrounded by bigger bills <laughs> uh, because because Santa, you know. Well, let me rephrase. I'm going to be surrounded by some of Santa's bigger bills that may fall out of his pack uh, when he comes to my home. Uh, because the average American family, Pete, and I may have hit you with this before, but I want to get your response to it again if you have. The average American household is going to pay $3,500 more in this coming year to get the same exact things that they had in, in, uh, in this past year. 
So I rounded that up to 3600 and divided by 12, and I came with $300 a month. I don't know a ton of middle-class families that live paycheck to paycheck or paycheck to paycheck with a little bit left over to tuck away for savings or for retirement or for vacations or for whatever. But most of us in the middle class don't have $300 a month lying around that we can afford the inflation that the Biden economic policies of this country have brought us. Yeah. Think about the whiplash effect we've experienced just in the last year. We went from having the best economy in history to having this incredible inflationary cycle that we're experiencing right now. People are, on an objective basis, on an absolute basis, much poorer than they were a year ago. And it's there's no sign of it diminishing or changing anytime soon. In fact, the one saving grace to this point, and let's hope it sticks, let's hope that we don't see a change next year, is the failure of the Build Back Better plan, which would have just thrown gasoline on the proverbial fire. The fact that anyone could even contemplate doing that when we're going through this inflationary cycle tells you that our leadership is completely, or at least a portion of our leadership is completely out of touch. But Americans are suffering. Uh, Inflation is one of the worst things that can happen to any nation. Uh, But when you combine that with all the other things that are going on, you know, you go from what happened a year ago, where we had the best economy in history. We had a vaccine that had been developed at warp speed. Unemployment rate was at the lowest rate in 50 years. The historic rates for blacks, women, Hispanics. We had energy independence. We were a net exporter of uh, energy, of, of oil and gas. Median household income was at record levels. You know, uh, name it. I mean, you know, the Iran nuke deal, there was no Iran nuke deal. Uh, we'd save trillions because we'd pull out of the Paris climate, climate Accord. ISIS was defeated. You know, we had renegotiated NAFTA and the TPP. I mean, it goes on and on and on, all these things. But, you know, this guy had mean tweets. So we bring in this cadaver into office along with his team. I mean, the, the, the team in the White House is truly extraordinary. What we saw just in the last couple of days, Bob, I think piqued the interest of a lot of people because they never really saw something quite like this. The blowback against Joe Manchin that apparently didn't come directly from Biden, which confirms what we all believe, that is that people around Biden are actually running the country, but it was just so tone deaf. If they thought that somehow they were going to bully Joe Manchin into going along with this ridiculous spending program by calling him all kinds of names, saying virtually he's a traitor, he's a Judas, that could not have come. As decrepit as Biden is, the one thing that he would not have done just because, you know, out of sheer inertia he wouldn't have done this is insult Manchin like that. So it, it really does telegraph the dysfunctional nature of that White House and who's actually in charge. I'm not sure who's in charge, actually, but... Uh, uh, Don't ask Kamala Harris that. Yeah, don't ask Kamala. When Charlemagne the God asked her that, she lost her her stuff. Uh, uh, And she did it without giggling that time. She got really, really angry. Um, Since you brought up Joe Manchin, I'm glad you did. Uh, I wanted to play. I I don't want to sit here and go, he should be a Republican like everybody says. Everybody wants to be a Republican. Ted Cruz said that all of us have tried to tell him that 12 times a day. You need to come over here because you have the right ideas uh, to join our party. But aside from that, I just love the fact that he takes no garbage from anybody. And uh, the stuff the squad is throwing at him after his decision and that um, uh, that uh, the White House staffers in the White House are throwing at him. I just love his response. Listen I'm saying this. this. I'm not blaming anybody. I knew where they were and I knew what they could and could not do. They just never realized it because they figure, surely to God we can move one person. 
Surely we can badger and beat one person up. Surely we can get enough protesters to make that person uncomfortable enough. They'll just say, okay, I'll vote for anything. Just quit. Well, guess what? I'm from West Virginia. I'm not from where they're from. And they can just beat the living crap out of people and think they'll be submissive. Period. I thought that was such a strong statement. Um, you're not going to bully me. You're not going to. And by the way, before you respond to that, Pete, lump your response into the latest kind of, um, you recall, the, they're clinging to their guns and Bibles in the flyover country, and the you walk into Walmart, Walmart and you can just smell the MAGA, uh, those insulting things by the left. Um, cu- couple what you just heard there uh, with him defending West Virginians with what uh, Bette Midler, if you want to talk about Hollywood, and I don't, but... When, when I see these things, I want to respond to them. She called the people of West Virginia as she ranted about Joe Biden's decision not to support Build Back Better. She called the people of, uh, of West Virginia uh, uh, impoverished, I think it was, uneducated, and what was the other word? I had it in front of me before, but I seem to have lost it. Uh, I'll find it as you respond to what you just heard from uh, Joe Biden defending West Virginians. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Bob, the... Poor, poor, illiterate, I'm sorry, Pete, poor, illiterate, and strung out. That's what it was. Right. Poor, yeah, illiterate, and, and strung out. This is what the left thinks of people in, in uh, states like um, West Virginia. They do. Uh, we've heard it in the past from a number of the people on the left, including Obama, you know, clinging to guns, Bibles, and things of that nature. That's how they view the flyover country. That includes most of Ohio, including Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland is a blue area. But as I've said to a lot of people, it is not nuts it's not like some of these other blue areas. We are, we are culturally a conservative area. But nonetheless, when you talk about West Virginia, there's only one state that's redder than West Virginia, and that's Oklahoma. So I don't know where they got this idea that by bludgeoning uh, Joe Manchin and his state and calling them all kinds of pejoratives, that somehow that's going to persuade him to reconsider. I think what they've done is driven him into the arms of Republicans. Now, I've got my own problems with Joe Manchin. I, I think on things other than fiscal policy, he's not necessarily a reliable conservative. Agreed. He's not a conservative at all, in fact. But I will tell you, uh, politics is one of these things where you make strange bedfellows, and I would not have any hesitation at, have, at having Joe Manchin part of the Republican caucus. And I think that the Democrats are doing their best to drive him into the arms of Republicans, and I know that uh, Mitch McConnell's made statements, and as you men- mentioned, Ted Cruz has made statements walking men into the Republican fold. Look, um, if you can get a guy to agree with you 60% of the time, then take that and run with it. You may, and then work on persuading him on, uh, with respect to other things. But when 70% of West Virginians vote for Donald Trump, you're not going to convince a guy who gets elected by these, these folks to do something other than what his instincts tell him is the right thing to do. This guy's been a successful politician in West Virginia for a long time for good reason. He's got to read on the electorate. Bette Midler has no clue where West Virginia is. She probably couldn't find it on a map, and that includes AOC and uh, 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 Elon Omar and, and the rest of the squad. They are so elitist in their view, it's astonishing, and it turns off a large percentage of Americans to the benefit of conservatives slash Republicans. You've probably seen the recent polling data, which I've been trying to tell people about. I've seen this coming. Is and It's not just me. I mean, it was just there. You see the, the numbers there, but people weren't paying much attention to it, is the significant shift. I mean, almost unheard of shift in just one election cycle 
among the Hispanic electorate from Democrat to now even, in fact, in many places, slightly Republican. We talked about it briefly, Bob, right after, I think it was the November election, but we talked about how in the districts along the Rio Grande border, 70 to 80 percent Hispanic went from giving their votes to Hillary Clinton to now Donald Trump in 2020, and in the last election, 70% going Republican. Because what I think the Democrats always thought is, because of the uh, trajectory or or the history that they've seen with uh, blacks in the Democratic Party, is that, well, anybody who's non-white is going to have an allegiance to the Democratic Party. And that's not necessarily true. And what happened is they've so alienated a significant percentage of the Hispanic electorate that they're in deep, deep electoral trouble, meaning the Democratic Party. The polling data on this is extraordinary. We're looking at a 30-point to 40-point shift among Hispanics, because guess what? A lot of people, including Hispanics, blacks, women, and others that have been reliable Democratic uh, voters, you know, they, they don't particularly like crime that much. They don't particularly like open borders with drugs and, and child trafficking and terrorists coming across the border. They don't particularly like inflation all that much. And Democrats have been so focused on identity issues because that's all, that's all they have. they've got. Yeah. That's um, all Pete, let, me, let, me, let me go back, if I can. I want to say it all for a second and go back to Bette Midler, only because, as you pointed out and I pointed out, Reminded me of the guns and clinging to your guns and Bibles and, you know, going to Walmart and smelling the MAGA in there and all that other stuff. These, right. these, these terrible, you know, insults that they're throwing at more than half of the country, uh, you know, being Trump supporters or Trump voters or Republicans or what have you. The bigger picture, isn't this exactly why we can never have civility in this country? Isn't this why we can't? Hey, let's extend our hand, <clears throat> excuse me, across the aisle. <clears throat> and tell our neighbors who are liberals uh, and, uh, and and leftists, you know, hey, we all have the same goal in mind, which is the greatness of America. Let's work together on this. We can't because we know they would rather spit on our hands than than and 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 diminish our intelligence and insult us uh, about our values, um, you know, rather than than actually work with us. I think they make it very clear that they have no interest in real bipartisanship. They have no real interest in coming to common ground. They have an interest in changing this country from a Christian dominated capitalist free republic to a uh, a communist dominated or at least very at least socialist marxist dominated uh, big government nightmare uh, in which people are are subservient to the state i don't know how you how do you find common ground with that pete very difficult because this is something that's been occurring over the last 40 to 50 years that is this developing division between america much of it is driven on college campuses, and now K through 12, we're seeing with critical race theory, there's a significant and growing, I mean, there's always this strain here, but this one is getting significantly large and is consuming almost all the Democratic Party. The best way of describing it, sorry to my Democratic friends, is anti-Americanism. There is a true hatred of the traditions of America. Going back, I mean, you you name all the traditions, everything from being a democratic republic and uh, liberty, these people want to censor free speech, for example. What you can and can't say. Cancel culture is so anti-American, but it comes all from the left side. And on the left, in K-12 through and on college campuses, there is this strident 
anti-Americanism. America is systemically racist. It's historically racist. It is not worthy of redemption. It's truly an extraordinary thing. So when you have half of America, or it's not that big, but say 40% of America that is, in essence, anti-American, how do you make common, gro- uh, common cause? How do you find common ground with those individuals? It is no. extraordinarily difficult. I've never seen a division like this in my lifetime. It's and it's intentional. Worse. It's not accidental, it, it and it's not it even-handed. It's not equal on both sides, Pete, and that's the part I want people to understand here, and we'll talk more after this time out. It's not equal uh, uh, combatants here. There's one side that is continuing. You just said it yourself. They can't even uh, understand and agree with being a Democratic Republic anymore, and in fact, hell, a bunch of them in elected offices call themselves democratic socialists instead of believers in a democratic republic so uh that's the reality of the situation we'll come right back Okay, ten twenty-five. Short segment here with Peter Kersenau, but the good news is he's going to stick with us for the with us for the next one as well. Pete, um, Joe Biden is going to address the country today. He's going to speak about Omicron and the new government plan of attack on Omicron, which is going to be the same exact plan of attack they've had on COVID from the very beginning. What I'm wondering is if he's going to be as equally inspiring and uplifting as he was five days ago when he said this: "For unvaccinated." We are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated, for themselves, their families, and the hospitals they'll soon overwhelm. The great unwashed are in for a winter of severe illness and death for themselves, for their families, and for everybody they come in contact with, including the hospitals that they're going to overwhelm. Have you ever heard a more inspiring speech from a commander-in-chief in in your life? I happen to think, you know, that was more off the cuff, and you would... No, he's reading. He's reading. I'm um, looking at the video. His eyes are down, he's speaking behind the math, and he's reading. Go ahead. Incredible. Well, when I say off the cuff, I don't necessarily mean that he's speaking off the cuff, but they, you know, threw something together. It was not a formal presentation. It was more like last minute, and this is what he's, uh, you know, talking about. But either way, it's extraordinary that a command-in-chief would say something like that to the American people. You know, it's not quite four score and seven years ago. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's not quite, you know, uh, you know, ask not what your country can do for you. It, it's not inspiring. And what a leader has to do at all times, I mean, is not necessarily whitewash bad things, but he needs to be inspiring. But when he starts talking doom and gloom, and especially they have to understand staging, too, which is something that so many presidents, probably Reagan better than anybody, understood. And it's necessary. It's not merely cosmetic. It's not an artifice. You are the leader of the free world, not just America. And how you present is almost as important as the substance of what you present. And they've completely forgotten that or not known it all in this White House or have a vessel that can't convey it properly in Joe Biden. Uh, we are, we're not, first of all, it's false. Um, yes, the vaccines, or as the what they're alleged to be vaccines, aren't necessarily working the way they were promised. But you know, they're they're working to some extent. They provide some barrier against getting COVID and, and getting worse types of COVID and be, being hospitalized or dying. But the the fact of the matter is that. We are surviving the pandemic. People want to get out, or many people do want to get out, except for those people who live in blue states or blue areas, heavily blue areas, who have been just pelted with doom and gloom. And if he's going to give us more doom and gloom, I think the people of the United States are done with this. 
go well, Pete, Pete, not anywhere. just doom and gloom. Let me let me ask you this about that. Not just doom and gloom. If he comes today with the, 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 the same recipe as the last two years, in other words, vaccines, 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 mask mandates, distancing, closing schools, closing churches, closing business. If he comes at you with the same exact thing, which very clearly and observably failed for the last two years because we have more cases now than we did in all of 2020 when the entire thing happened and there were no quote-unquote pseudo-profit shots available at the time. If he comes at us with the same exact thing, again, we know the definition of insanity. How on earth is that going to make anybody feel any better? Yeah, I agree with you entirely, but precisely right, doing the same thing over and over again, definition of insanity, but uh, this administration, we saw the insanity in Afghanistan, for example. They do things that are inexplicable, except for the fact that if you are insane or the administration is being run by insane people. But apparently they're doubling down, they're doing the same thing, which begs the question, Bob, there are people there with an IQ above room temperature who know what they're doing, who've been seasoned pol- politicals. They're not all idiots. And on top of that, if there, if there are the, or there is a dearth of smart people in the White House, uh, rest assured that within the Beltway somewhere, there are Democrats who've been around the block a few times and know what they're doing. They're saying you can't do this kind of stuff, but it's happening. They're doing this for a reason, therefore. It's not merely stupidity, although I would ascribe... I think it's because they're beholden to, to the cartels, are they not? I mean, well, seriously, because you're right, they're not only, stupid. There has to be an yeah. evil reason. There has to be a, I, I, a profit I agree with. Reason. I agree that they may be... I, they, I agree that some of it's profit-driven. I think it's more political-driven, though. I think that they saw what happened in 2020, as we talked about before, Bob, they won in large measure because of COVID hysteria and the need or the perceived need to change radically election laws and going through it in unlawful ways, not being passed by the legislature. They looked at the polling data, which is the worst Democrats have ever faced in history coming up. I mean, it's, it's extraordinarily bad. They've looked at the polling data and they know they can't win a straight up election for dog catcher if it's run in the same fashion that we've historically run elections over the years, with exception of the last cycle. They want more ballot elections. They want less voter integrity laws. And the driver for all of that is COVID. If they can continue to scare people and say, we must have liberalized election laws and uh, voting laws because of COVID, then they can you know, maintain the, these lax voting structures and shove through even more lax voting. That's the only way they have a chance of winning, given the polling. Peter Kirsten now laying it out for us. We've got a lot more to talk about with Pete. We're going to talk about foreign policy and immigration as well as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Just because the president is incoherent doesn't mean you have to be. The Bob France Authority, keeping you politically coherent on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1037 now. We continue on AM 1420, The Answer. We do welcome uh, Peter Kersenow back to our program, or he stays with us anyway. Pete, um, I want to talk just for a second or two about 2024. And uh, the the backdrop of that, you and I kind of joked or laughed a minute or two ago about... um, Kamala Harris getting really upset when people ask, or when Charlemagne the God asked her uh, who's really running the show. And she said, Joe Biden is, of course, and I'm Kamala Harris, and I'm the vice president. Well, thank you for the clue there. Um, Joe's approval rating is down around 30%. Hers is even lower than that. 
Nobody believes Joe Biden when he says he or Jen Psaki when she says Joe plans to run for reelection in 2024. They just can't announce that he's not making him a three year lame duck. So having said that, um, Kamala Harris is worse than he is. He's not going to run. They can't trot her out there in 2024 as their candidate. The last time she ran on her own, as you know, she got one to two percent of the vote in the polling. Um, prior to Christmas of 2019, she didn't even make it uh, into the uh, primaries in the spring of 2020. She dropped out so fast because her campaign was so abysmal. Which brings me to this story. Newsmax asking the question, is Hillary Clinton seeking 2024 presidential rematch against Trump? If it's not Biden again, and it can't be Harris, can they really go back and resurrect the corpse of Hillary Clinton and have her run again? You know, if you asked me this question a year ago, I would have said no way. But I think almost anything's possible now. As you've just recited, the Democrats are in horrible shape. They've boxed themselves in for four years. They didn't come up with any kind of real sellable strategy to the American people for why they should be elected. It was all anti-Trump, anti-Trump, anti-Trump. Trump's a bad guy, but never addressed policy concerns. They defeat Trump, and we can go into all the reasons how that happened. But nonetheless, now they're like the dog who caught you know, the proverbial car and doesn't know what to do with it, but they haven't laid a predicate or groundwork for justifying why people should vote for them now that there's no Trump. The only thing they've ever had is identity. Kamala Harris was explicitly chosen by Biden because she's black and she's a female. I would not put it by Hillary Clinton because she's grasping and she, you know, she'll do anything. I would not put it past her to possibly try this again. Now, smarter people within the Democratic Party, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but many of them would say this would be a disaster to have Hillary come out one more time and try this again. But think about it for a moment. Who else do they have? Remember, as we've discussed in the past, the Democratic Party cannot sell you based on policy. All of their policies have proven to be horrific in such stark and, and just rapid fashion. We've seen the contrast from the Trump administration to the present, and everybody's just recoiling in horror. So their policies are not something they can sell. The only thing they've been relying on is identity. They are in a, a real fix because they know that, you know, Kamala Harris was chosen because she's black and a female, and they've got they, their base almost demands that at the top of the ticket, you have to have someone of color and someone who's not male, um, or someone who's not male, preferably both, but, you know, uh, they'll, they'll or, some, or they someone can. who's male but says they're not male in today's right. world. It, exactly right. Exactly right. So they have to do that because they can't sell their policies. And the person who's most prominent, most visible, who has a track record, who fills at least a portion of that requirement is Hillary Clinton. I would not necessarily, as weird as it sounds, I wouldn't necessarily put that past her to pass them to do. In the uh, just eight months ago, I'd have said, "Now nah, that's an impossibility." But you start to see certain telltale signs about the Clintons, as you've seen before, trial balloons that are floating. Is, by is this one of them? In the media. Hey, Pete, is is this one of the signs that she was planning on delivering if she won the election in 2016? <laughs> Listen to this. She gets emotional. <clears throat> My fellow Americans, today you sent a message to the whole world. Our values endure, our democracy stands strong, and our motto remains, E Pluribus Unum, 
Out of many, one. I've met little boys and girls who didn't understand why a woman has never been president before. Now they- So this was two weeks ago, as you know. Yeah. Uh, she decided to <laughs> read her would-be victory speech from uh, from 2016. Nobody knows why, other than maybe it's to try to uh, <clears throat> evoke some emotion from her supporters to say, oh my gosh, I want to make that happen again. That's, is that what this exactly, is about? Is that time? That's ex- exactly what it is. And it's not, again, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. Just look at the Clintons' history over the last 30 years. This is how they do it. It's you, you can call it a trial balloon if you wish, but she throws that out there, a preliminary foray to see how is it received. Are people still looking at me as somebody who is one of the leaders of the Democratic Party, a potentially viable candidate? She is bitter. She thinks that the election was stolen from her. You know, we talked about uh, Trump and the so-called insurrection. For four years, she's been claiming that she was the, the you know, rightful president of the United States. And, okay, that was permissible. But that's but not the big lie. It. That's not the big lie. It's only the big lie when Trump says he's the rightful it's president. Precisely right. Precisely right. So I do think that this was the trial balloon. Set out a little bit of buzz there. See how it's received to see whether or not this is something that's achievable. The timing is very, very interesting. I mean, it happens when Kamala Harris is getting beat up more than at any point during the last nine months. And I think it's not too early. I mean, this is about the right time when people are starting to position themselves. People start talking about Buttigieg. That's not working. They're talking, they, they don't have a bench, Bob. They truly let me do throw not a couple of names. A let me throw a couple of names from the last go-round. Cory Booker, Spartacus himself, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who's far too reasonable and rational and moderate for that party. And then let me throw a new name at you, because I had to look this up. She turns 35 in October of 2024. <laughs> she, she, she makes it with a month to spare. And that, of course, is the leader of the progressive left in Congress, Alexandria Damasio Cortez. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, you know, we shouldn't laugh at any of these things because look who's president right now. So it's <laughs> nothing's beyond the realm of possibility. I think Booker is a, an absurd candidate. The last time he ran, he crashed and burned, or you know when he was in the primaries, crashed and burned so fast nobody even remembers him being there. I don't think you know he is not a dummy, but he is he just is not ready for prime time, and I'm not sure that he ever will. That's my own view, but that doesn't eliminate him from potential consideration. Um, AOC, as absurd as it sounds. My goodness, like you said, she checks boxes, and right now that's all there is to it. But one of the problems with AOC, in addition to the fact that she's a complete moron, uh, excuse me for saying that, but that's true, is the fact that she, what we're doing right now, we are watching the AOC program being implemented by Biden. And people don't want it. People are rejecting it wholesale. So what is she going to do? Ride on uh, a campaign of more of the same? Can't do it. Um, They don't have a bench. They really don't. There's nobody out there who looks like they're reasonable, like they're statesmen at least, who have any understanding of how the economy works, how international relations work. So the only person truly who is looks as if they even know how to run the levers of government may be a Hillary Clinton. Now, she's going to be older, but she's not going to be as old as um, Joe Biden was at the outset of this term. More but uh, I, I would never put it past... Hillary, I think she has a grasping need for power, and the Democrats are desperate because they have absolutely no viable bench. Elizabeth Warren has no, no there's no way in the world, I, I shouldn't say that, you, know, you never know uh, in, the, in today's world. How, how, but, how old is Bernie, do you know? Uh, he's somewhere in his 70s, I don't know exactly. 
Yeah, and I just wonder if he'll take a third bite at this apple and then bring in a fellow Democrat socialist, AOC, as his running mate, which checks all kinds of boxes. Um, you know, for them. Um, again, Biden is so old. We, we talk about his cognitive decline. I don't think it's quite as evident in Bernie Sanders. It, with him, it's just his ideological decline as he, you know, he's essentially a communist. Um, but, but then again, he gave Joe the biggest run, right? He gave Joe Biden yep. a bigger run than anybody else in that field that we just talked about. Yep. Exactly right. So when you look at who's he's out 80, there, I'm it's, told. it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of, he's 80. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that, Biden will have, and I agree with you, he's got a little bit more mental acuity, a little bit more. Anybody's got, my dog's got more mental acuity than, than Joe Biden. But um, he's got more mental acuity than Joe Biden, but he's going to be 84. And I think what has happened over the last year is Joe Biden has pretty much put the kibosh in anybody who's over the age of 75, with the possible exception of Donald Trump. I was going to say. <laughs> he seems to be almost immortal when it comes to intellectual acumen. Um, but nonetheless, I think that they're going to look at a Bernie Sanders at the age of 84, and they're going to say, no way. And the Democratic Party, I don't think, is going to want to do that uh, again. I think that they're going to try to look for somebody who's younger. Um, but... Hillary Clinton still has a little bit of a base there. She's got some power in the Democratic Party. It hasn't completely waned. She is a female. She's the most recognizable name. And believe me, she wants it badly. If she, if she, it, it, it strikes me, and I don't have any infra, inside information, but just observing Hillary Clinton over the years and the Clintons generally, it seems to me that they have to come to her and say or make some type of signal authorizing her to run again before she does it. She doesn't want to embarrass herself. She doesn't want to seem as if she's pleading to be the candidate. Uh, she views herself as the queen of the Democratic Party or a queen of the Democratic Party. But again, when you look at the bench, it seems as if it's a plausible alternative. So strange last, last, one, seem, last one for you, Peter Kirshnow, um just because people talk about it. A second Obama. Yeah, uh, and I've been saying that for a long time. I always thought that um, Michelle Obama would be on a ticket at some point. I wouldn't discount it, but it... Okay, this is very partisan. It's my own view of things. And, of course, it's a more narrow Republican view of things. But it's also accurate. Michelle Obama doesn't have too many brain cells working. All due respect... Anybody who's read her college dissertation, it's not merely a fact that it was 30 years ago. I mean, people grow, they they learn things, they get better at things. But this evinced a fundamental lack of intellectual capacity. I invite anybody to read this thing, and you'll be appalled. You'll be appalled that it came out of Princeton. But these days, you know, Harvard, Princeton, Cornell, any of these places are jokes. All due respect, sorry, guys, they are. We're not teaching anymore, except in certain very narrow disciplines. They're, they seem to be ideological academies. Having said, that, then, though, Pete, having said that, though, she doesn't have to write the dissertations, i.e. the speeches or the campaign uh, messaging. She just has to read and present, and she presents strong. She also checks, of course, the boxes, the sex, the color, uh, and so forth. And, of course, the pedigree of, of Barack would be the first gentleman, sure. and, and they would yeah. love that idea. I, I agree with you, Bob. I agree with you. I, I do think the one failing is that, yes, she presents well when in a controlled environment. Right. Watch her when she's not in a favorable, highly favorable controlled environment. Not just favorable, because she's never been in an unfavorable environment. Mm-hmm. She does not have the capacity to think on her feet well enough to be a viable candidate. Having said that, look, I, I think I was surprised that she didn't do it this go-round, or a little, mildly surprised. I think that's a very, very plausible 
and realistic option for the Democrats. And there's going to be a lot of pressure on her, frankly. And you may even see a ticket consisting of maybe not Hillary and, and uh, Michelle Obama, because I think my, my own sense is they probably hate one another. That's the, the, the kind of vibe you get out of it. But you may see some other kind of fusion ticket that gets them over the top. Maybe an all-female ticket, because the media would love that, of course. But you don't have to give the media too many bones for them to carry the water for the Democratic <laughs> Party. Mixed metaphors there. But nonetheless, yeah, it's going to be very interesting because they have no bench whatsoever. So almost anything is a possibility. These fantasies of the far left may come to fruition during the nomination process. Peter Kersenow, great analysis as always, my friend. It's hard to believe we're still looking at this, and it's or we're already looking at this, and it's three years away. Uh, but wow. you really have to, considering how quickly the Biden administration looks like it's fizzling. You really have to look and see what is next. Peter, we will have one more program before the end of the year. We're going to do our 2021 year in review next Tuesday, but that will be post-Christmas. So allow me to wish you a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holiday Season, and uh, all of the very best to you and your family. Merry Christmas, Bob, and Merry Christmas, Cleveland. You got it. Thank you, Peter. That's Peter Kirstenau on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, I want to remind you, speaking of Christmas uh, tidings, tomorrow is the last day to donate uh, to Mario Innocenzi's truck of supplies and gifts uh, that, are, that, are being, that is being taken down to the Kentucky tornado victims from a couple of weeks ago. They're trying to bring Christmas to the kids whose lives were destroyed, who aren't going to have toys, much less a tree to put them under, maybe even not even a house uh, to put that tree in. Please bring your generous donation of unwrapped holiday gifts and toys and non-perishable food items and household supplies and diapers, gift cards, whatever you can do. Mario is filling up this truck, as he has done many other times for many other great causes after some disasters have happened around the country. It's at 7562 Broadview Road in the Pleasant Valley Shopping Center in Parma. 7562 Mario's Barbershop. You can look it up. Through tomorrow at 4.30, they will be bringing, uh, or excuse me, they will be accepting those gifts to fill that truck. They'll be driving it down tomorrow evening to Kentucky and uh, making sure it gets there in time for Christmas on Saturday. So please, they've done this a number of times. This is just tremendous philanthropic work, charitable work, truly God's work. Um, so between 7.30 and 4.30 today and 7.30 and 4.30 tomorrow, that's when they stop collecting and they have to send that truck down to Kentucky. Please give generously. If you have any questions about it, call Mario at 216-520-1977. I'll be right back. Okay, final segment now at 10.56. I want to tell you, I'm going to take one for the team today. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to take one for you. All right? This is my Christmas gift to you. I'm going to watch Joe Biden speak today about his Omicron plans so you don't have to. All right? I'm going to watch it. I'm going to listen to it. I'll probably record some of it so I can tell you what's going on tomorrow. Don't ruin your Christmas. By listening to it yourself, don't do it. Don't ruin your day. Don't 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 t- don't just you know put yourself in a bad mood. I'll I'll take the arrow for you. All right, I'm the Secret Service. I'm diving in front of you, and I'll take the shot. 
Uh, I'll watch it and listen to it, and I'll tell you what's going on on tomorrow's program, I promise. Frank is in Brook Park. Hi, Frank. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. And for everyone listening, Congressman Jeff Fortenberry in February of this year wrote a great article about the passivity, the lack of any effort by Christian and or any other churches. Well, there's a synagogue. Mm-hmm. What we needed, there was contact or contract, just contact Congressman Jeff Fortenberry of Nebraska. He's considered the dean of Nebraska's delegation. He's a Republican. In any case, and what are we, Frank, Frank, Frank? I'm sorry, activity. help me out. What, what, what are we? What are we contacting him for? To ask what? We should be asking all of our pastors and our synagogue leaders, etc., about uh-huh. why are they not speaking up about the evils of our nation, of our president and his company, the passivity of the churches. We need the power of the churches, the synagogues, you name it, the temples, whatever, to get on. Get on our leaders, the pastors, they call them in the Catholic Church where I am, right. and remind them to quit being so passive about the evils going on in our nation through our government and elsewhere. Well, so, I'll tell you what, my friend. Um, if, if, maybe you can contact him. He's in yeah, Nebraska. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I don't disagree, Frank. Thank you for the phone call. If the other side can do it, why can't we? Do you remember what we found out during that Virginia uh, Virginia governor's race? couple of months back they were playing uh uh commercials for uh, for uh, uh terry mcauliffe inside churches inside black churches trying to sway the parishioners yeah uh, if they're going to fight from the pulpit and in the pulpit Enjoy so should we thanks everyone let's go brandon three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.